Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Pandemic. Today we're switching things up because we have another return guest who is comic book writer, novelist and magnificent person Madeline Holly Rosing. The format is still largely the same, but instead of chatting about comics for the apocalypse, I asked my guest about what comics they've been reading during the pandemic. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a big thank you to everyone who has backed my most recent Kickstarter for an oversized hardcover edition of the Milford Green Saga. It's mind-blowing that we were funded in just 45 minutes. Thank you so much. If you haven't come across Milford Green before, it's my Victorian space adventure series that follows Alfie Fairfield and Mary Wells as they battle aliens here on Earth and beyond. To check out the Kickstarter and see if it tickles your fancy, feel free to click the respective link in the show notes or simply go to www.tinyurl.com forward slash the Milford Green Saga and it will take you right there. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Madeline Holly Rosing. How's it going? Pretty good. Hi, Samuel. Um, hope you're doing well. Yeah, um, like I was just saying off air, kind of just just about hanging in there um, with kind of like the, the glimmer of hope of, of summer being potentially somewhat normal um, here in the UK. How about how about you in LA? Uh, yeah, that's that's my hope as well. Uh, my husband got his second shot vaccination shot Moderna yesterday, but I'm still waiting for, you know, my number to be called, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it's the, the rollout's been kind of haphazard in California. So, you know, some areas have done really well and, um, vaccination, you know, people are, are getting their vaccination and, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, um, by you know may hopefully cross my fingers mm. uh just because i i am scheduled to be in boston on the first weekend of august for the uh, fan expo boston uh comic-con so and i really really want to be there 100 percent, 100 percent. i can't wait to get back to a con um it's i'm i'm desperate uh to to see other people and things um but uh yeah fingers crossed that all works out for you i, I think kind of the, the timing's fairly reali- realistic uh that it yeah. could actually happen and, and all this kind I, of being I, a height think, of summer as well i think it'll happen and i know san diego comic-con is talking about doing a much scaled down version in november mm. and i obviously really hope to be a part of that you know, even if it's just nice. three days, I'll just, I don't care. Just give me yeah. a table me anywhere. I don't care if I'm hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Uh, now, uh, this will be your second appearance yes. on the podcast. Um, and uh, what what I found interesting, I was looking back at your notes for, for your first appearance and kind of you were within kind of like the first 10 episodes um, of, of the show as well. And uh, the, the apocalypse you actually ended up in was a pandemic. So yeah. your, your wish came true, Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happened. 
<laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> um, but uh, for, for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, for those who uh, are not familiar with me and my work, I do a steampunk supernatural series, graphic novel and prose called Boston Metaphysical Society. And it's about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. Um, we currently have uh, our original six-issue miniseries and trade paperback, which is out through SourcePoint Press. And we have three sequels out, which have also been picked up by SourcePoint Press. And... When we when this airs, we will be uh, in the middle of a, a Kickstarter for our fourth sequel called The Book of Demons. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, Gwen Tavares is our artist and our colorist, and uh, she's doing a terrific job. Um, we were a little delayed. Normally, I run Kickstarters in January, February, but you know, as you can imagine, everything got got pushed back. So uh, we will be running it in April. Amazing. Um, and can you, can you give, you, give us a little bit of a flavor of kind of the, the premise of this particular installment? Um, it can be read as a standalone, but it is a, yeah. a, a continuation of Ghosts and Demons, which was our previous sequel. And in this one, uh, Caitlin is kidnapped and forced to find and enslave a demon for one of the great houses. Um, for those who, uh, may or may not have read Ghosts and Demons, uh, her mother, uh, Erin has discovered that her daughter has some sort of power or control over demons. And she just feels that this isn't right, that it, that this kind of power belongs in the hands of a great house. So she gets the message across and things kind of go sideways after that. Nice. And, and and nothing ends up as it as it you know everyone assumes so which, which is half the fun uh it'll be a this is a longest story yet it's a 41 page story and it'll be in a 40 48 page perfect bound book amazing sounds exciting um and of course people can go check that out on kickstarter uh, that link will be in the show notes folks so uh, go click through there but i'm sure if you just search for uh, boston Meta- metaphysical society as well um on kickstarter it will also come up as well um yes. and where, where else can people find you online as well madeline um also a website boston metaphysical society.com and uh, our store is over in the the square site you just have to you know, there's links in the website. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Boston Metaphysical Society, uh, Twitter. Um, you just have to type in Boston Metaphysical and it all comes up. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Uh, you, you, you've definitely wrapped that one right up. Um, you, you're probably going to be number one on Google and, and everywhere else as well. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Uh, now, um, as with uh, all of uh, the reappearances on the show, uh, instead of doing comics for the apocalypse, we're currently doing comics for the pandemic. Um, and uh, I, I like to ask kind of what comics you've been uh, reading during the pandemic. But before we kind of get into that um i wondered how how has the creative process been for you during this this past year of of a pandemic it's been difficult 
um, yeah. as it is with, with most people. You know, you think like, oh, I have all this time to spend inside and I can work, 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 work. And, and I tend to do that anyway because I'm kind of manic that way, uh, <laughs> as my husband will, will definitely uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, admit to. Um, but the hardest part is taking time off and taking time off is, is just Mm -hmm. as important as working. And particularly in the, you know, the first six to eight months, there was just nowhere to go and Mm -hmm. nowhere to take a break. Because for me, I can only really take a break when I leave the house. Otherwise it's just, the work is staring at me. So, you know, you have to you make sure you take a walk or even, you know, drive through at Starbucks or coffee, bean and tea and leaf or I mean, any little thing to get out. And fortunately, since spring is now here, there is a wonderful garden called Descanso Gardens over in Pasadena um, here in Southern California. And so I am going to make sure that next week we we take a few hours to go walk around and, you know, literally smell the roses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Literally. Uh, cause you know, you do, you have, you have to get out of the house and even if it's just to go to the beach and, and of course being socially distanced and masked and, and being responsible, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you do need to get, to get out there. hundred percent. Um, and so, um, did the creative process, uh, start before the pandemic for this latest Kickstarter or has this been kind of throughout this past year? The uh, the comic started before the pandemic because I right. usually plan these out about a year ahead of time mm-hmm. uh, just so things move appropriately. And, and I realized with Gwen's schedule, she's picking up more and more work because, well, she's fabulous so of course she should. Uh, the things schedules needed to be rearranged, and which is fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I usually start thinking planning stages about a year ahead of time, and then about six months ahead, I really start focusing, and then three months things really start happening and pulling together social media and informing. Um, backers and you know mailing list mm-hmm. and uh, getting all the promotion um, and getting you know getting the comic done, getting the script done, yeah. and mm-hmm. getting yeah. it to Gwen in a timely fashion, mm-hmm. uh, so she can start working on it. Yeah, but and so how how has it been kind of with with script writing specifically? Because my my experience, it's been. You know, it's been quite tough to find the headspace um, creatively, I've found. I'm kind of going off of what you said there, kind of in terms of actually kind of getting a break from work and kind of, you know, keeping up to date with actually what's going on. Um, And uh, yeah, finding the headspace has been quite, quite, quite troublesome for me. How's it been for you? Yeah. yeah, I I would agree. I would agree mm. because there's just so much stuff going on in your head. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot last year, particularly here in the United States for the obvious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, with, with the election happening, that took up a lot of headspace. Yeah, of course. Um, 
but I, yeah, I'm always amazed when I get stuff done. <laughs> I, it's like, I actually get stuff done. And I, I'm always like, wait, I really did get stuff done. And, and when I think about last year, I realized that, you know, not only did I, you know, write a 41 page script and get that off to my artist, I finished a novel and edited it and, uh, got started on, uh, the audio drama. Um, and so a lot of things got set in motion, which, which was, which was nice. That's fantastic. And kind of, it really is kind of against all odds at the moment. So, so any, any progress is, is good progress. And it sounds like you've been uh, exceedingly productive despite uh, there being, being an actual pandemic going on. Uh, now you mentioned uh, the audio drama there. Um, yes. Can you talk a, bit, a little bit about that before we get into your uh, comics for the pandemic? Sure. Uh, it's called Boston Metaphysical Society, The Ghost Ship. And it takes place during the time period of the original six issue miniseries. So we just have our original characters, Samuel, uh, Caitlin, and Granville. And uh, they're investigating the appearance of a, a, a ghost ship of which has you know, dire consequences for uh, the grandchildren of certain great houses in, in Boston. And uh, this whole came about, and I have to, I have to blame her. This is all Eddie Louise Clark's fault. Uh, she mm-hmm. is the writer, creator, producer, um, you know, with her husband, Chip Michael, of the audio drama called Sage and Savant, which is um, a, a steampunk audio drama. It's really terrific. And she and I, we became uh, friends over various cons. And then we went to the Nebula award, uh, conference a couple of years ago. And she just looked at me and she goes, you have to turn this Boston Metaphysical into an audio drama. You have to, you have to. And I said, well, you know, I think you're right. So, yes, it's her fault. Um, <laughs> but not having done an audio drama before uh, I was smart enough to in fact hire Eddie Louise and her husband she is my script editor uh, Chip is uh, the composer and the sound engineer so uh, not only are they part of the team um, they've been mentoring me through this process and we just finished well the first round of casting um, I'm about ready to send emails out to I guess our top four candidates for the leads and so they're going to get callbacks and then next month we'll i'll send out the casting notice for the supporting characters uh but yeah this is this is going to happen um (laughs) you never know i was like is this really gonna really gonna happen uh so um my plan is to run a kickstarter for this project in the fall uh, probably october Mm -hmm. um and i anticipate it's an eight uh, episode series and it's a complete wow. story. Mm-hmm. Each episode is roughly 30 minutes long. And um, they sh- I'm guessing I-, I would have to confirm it with Chip because uh, since he's doing all the, the heavy lifting of the sound engineering, uh, probably everything will be done next February, January, February. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. We got some amazing talent for uh, the act, the voice actors that came through, and I'm really excited to work with them. They just 
you know, they just really hit it out of the ballpark. And, and so it, I have a feeling it's going to be really tough to narrow it down when we do the, uh, the callbacks. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can yeah. imagine it's, it's a very difficult process that kind of having to let people down and kind of, yeah. Um, whistle it down to, to, to the few that kind of, yeah, make it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all part of the process and, uh, yeah, yeah. But perhaps those that don't quite make it can, uh, can get on another, of your uh, audio dramas in the future you know that, that's uh, very possible that's very yeah. possible so depending on how well the kickstarter does and then how uh, it's received when it's finally i haven't chosen the platform that it's eventually going to be on to uh yeah. to, to stream and you mm. know how well it does there and sponsorship uh you yeah. know if if we do more um obviously i hope to mm. but but yeah, this is uh, this is an experiment. We're gonna exactly. see how it goes and do the the you know have the best product and the best audio drama that we can out there, and uh, go from there. That's fantastic, and it's it's kind of it's it's great to dip your toe into other forms of media, really, isn't it? Because um, it, oh, it, yeah. it's challenging. It's kind of it's new, although obviously you're kind of you're you know, following on through the, the Boston Metaphysical Society universe. Um, so you kind of, you know, the characters very well and things, but kind of transferring that to another medium um, is, is kind of a challenge in itself. Um, yes. I, I like sat down and realized the, I've written in a lot of different mediums now between, as, as you recall, probably I have an mm. MFA in screenwriting, so I actually came yeah. from from film and TV. Mm. So I went from that script writing to comic script writing to prose to audio dramas. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess I'm I'm very adaptable to different mediums. Totally, that's fantastic, though. I mean, it's obviously again, it's 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 great to challenge yourself as a as a writer and a creator, um, kind of working in all those different mediums. Um, Absolutely. Now, um, we uh, we mentioned uh, your comics for the pandemic um, and kind of which ones you've been reading. So um, let's let's start off with your first choice that that you put in your uh, your email to me, and that's uh, that's Puno. Puno, yeah, yeah, Puno is really interesting for for those who aren't familiar it was written um and the art is done by uh gustavo vargas i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly yes i uh, think it is yeah 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 <laughs> he it's a uh sequel to mono mono i think it's mono mono yeah yeah to mono and it intrigued me because it had you know, cyborg jaguars in it. I mean, the, the very, the, the first volume had, it's a <clears throat> South American twist on, uh, cyberpunk basically. Yeah. And so he, he brings in very dynamic colors in his art. Uh, everything is just, is kind of big. I, I wouldn't say there was like a whole lot of, of, of detail and nuance unless you're looking at the two page spreads, which in the second book, um, Puno are essentially backstory. Um, 
you know, instead of doing your usual flashback, he's done uh, a mural that if you, you, you look through it, you realize you're seeing the character's backstory. Mm. So it, it was just a different way of, of doing a flashback. And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Plus the cyborg animals and robots and all that other fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a fantastic book, and and I was a backer of the um, of the Kickstarter as well. I, I know I know Gustavo as well, um, but uh, it's a it's a fantastic book, and it's a fantastic series as well. So, folks out there, if you if you haven't uh, checked it out yet, just uh, search for uh, for Gustavo Vargas and uh, Puno and Manu and uh, all that good good stuff that he's created um, and, and check it out through his, uh, I think he's on um, big cartel um, uh, yeah, with, his, I, with his shop. I think but. so, but it's really nice to see, uh, you know, a, a cyberpunk story uh, reflected through the eyes of a Peruvian mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a Western myth, Western mythos. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a real, real, it's a real, real kind of unique take on on, on cyberpunk. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, I I, I do as an a, a just an addendum for for people who are not familiar with it. it this is not kind of a, a light and fluffy comic for kids. Ah, um, right, yeah. There is a <laughs> lot of violence and and some horrific violence and some what some people might find disturbing sexual acts. So uh, just as a, a, a caveat there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go in with some uh, caution. So if, if you are a cautious person, then yeah, maybe uh, not for you, but if, if, if that tickles your fancy, definitely go check it out. Yeah. I just, I like to let people know because, you know, it won't necessarily be there. They think like, Ooh, cool. Cyborg animals, robots. This might be okay for kids. And I'm like, uh, no, this this yeah, is for no. this is for adults. This is for adults. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent, definitely. Uh, fantastic uh, recommendation. Uh, now, uh, your second one uh, was the hated issue number one. Oh yeah, David Walker. Um, if if you don't know David Walker, then you should. He's an amazing writer. Um, he's done Bitterroot, Life of Frederick Douglass, and uh, just recently. Um, the uh, the graphic novel about the Black Panther Party. And uh, Marcus Kwame Anderson is his artist, and which I just love because most people don't realize when we first launched Boston Metaphysical, uh, we launched it as a webcomic. In fact, you can read the first six issues online for free. Um, Marcus and I started following each other on Twitter and so we would chat and I bought his book. And, and so I've been following him through the years and, and we've followed each other and chatted and, and then to see him grow like this and get the, the black Panther book. I know we're supposed to be talking about the hated, but anyway, I, I have to give him a shout out cause yeah. you know, he's, he's one of the, the other, you know, creators who's been with me since the very beginning of Boston metaphysical and, I'm just, I am so happy for him that he got this chance to work with uh, David Walker. But anyway, The Hated, um, that was on Kickstarter. And uh, it's an 
alternate history of right after what would have been our civil war. And uh, instead of the North winning, there's a, a truce between the North and the South. And essentially they split up into two different nations. And this story focuses on uh, an African-American woman who is essentially a bounty hunter and tracks down uh, guys who might be called um, patty rollers. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term, it's a, it's a Southern term that are people who are hired to track down escaped slaves. And um, she, a lot of these folks have crossed over the line into the Northern states and kidnap African-Americans and drag them back into slavery. And she takes exception to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, using her, her skill and her wits and she hunts them down and the raiders who come, come over and uh, what's her name? Oh, her name's Arminta. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's, you know, the art is terrific. Um, done by Sean Damien Hill, and it just moves so well. But I mean, I really expect that with David Walker. He he really he pretty much kicks ass with the, with everything <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, that, that's one I'm, I'm I, I didn't know about, and one that I'm gonna have to uh, check out for sure. Um, and uh, is, has that been fulfilled? It sounds like it has. Yes, it's been fulfilled. Yeah. Um, you can probably purchase it. I think it's Solid Comics, and that's um, S-O-L-I-D-C-O-M-I-X dot right. com. Yeah, that you can buy it from. Excellent. No, I'll have to check that out and for probably, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they got it up at Comixology and other places too. So Yeah, the usual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. That's great. Um, and then uh, your next choice was uh, Ascender. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been doing um, the reviews of Ascender uh, for Fanbase Press. And uh, I got hooked on it and really enjoyed it. Uh, it's this, for those, It's a sequel to the Descender series. Um, uh, that kind of revolves around Tim, who's a, a boy robot. And uh, my husband is not a big graphic novel reader, but every once in a while I'll run across something. And I'm going like, ah, you're really going to like this one. Mm -hmm. So I bought him the original series and he blew through that. And then as these volumes come out, he's been blowing through those. Uh, unfortunately, I have heard that there's been a, a, a personal issue with one of the creative teams, so they're holding off on finishing off, I guess, the last five issues, mm. which would complete the Ascender arc. And I'm going like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> don't <Why>? do that. <laughs> but you know, the uh, the art um, is great. It's it's like a master class in sequential art. Mm -hmm. So I, that's one of the reasons I, I like reading it because it helps inspire me um, to be better. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so good when when you do see that and you're like, wow, that is a whole nother level. Um, and it does it. it kind of inspires you to try and push yourself to to be better um, and uh, really think about your your own work even deeper. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, and and you know, send it over to Gwen and is like, you know, think about this, Gwen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it can be uh, quite quite. Um, yeah, just just be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, exactly. just be amazing. No, no pressure. Not at all. No pressure. No, no that's it. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, that's fun. Um, now, um, uh, your next choice for for comics for the pandemic uh, it was uh, Curtis Hill. Yeah, that that's actually another one I reviewed for Fanbase Press, and that was interesting. Um, the art is, is great. Uh, that's, that's a non-issue. Uh, when I first started reading it, I really hated the main character. <laughs> and, um, and you have to understand that all the characters are, are animals, but it's, it's all anthropomorphized. And mm-hmm. uh, Curtis Hill is a dog, but he's also a race car driver and a philanthropist. And you think he's, this great human being when actually he is not. Um, mm-hmm. He's a creep on a lot of levels. He's, he's, he's a terrible human being, but it's looking at his gradual arc. Um, that is interesting. And once you start reading it, you, you realize that it's set in a fictional 1930s, like pre Europe world war two and you realize the whole thing is just a, a, a metaphor for Nazi Germany. And uh, it's just, it's really, really well done. And, and particularly the, the racing scenes, I mean, they're, they're done so well. You, you really feel like you're in the middle of the scene. You know, you're in the race in the car and it's moving and the dust is flying. And, um, but yeah, this this is another one where I had to put the, the caveat of though you know animals are are in this graphic novel. It is rated you know M for mature audiences because of mm. you know sex scenes and other adult themes. Yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. is another one that's not for the kiddies. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, if uh, kind of you know an elementary school is recommended to read Mouse or something like that. It's like, whoa, no. <laughs> Hang on. Like, <laughs> Hold your horses. <laughs> like, stop. Definitely not. Like, the the kind of, they might look cute on the cover, <laughs> but, you know, don't go any further. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's it, fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that there's a, a, a group of the population that when you say comics or graphic novels, they instantly think, oh, it's for kids. Yeah, and you and I and anyone who's listening to this know that that's simply not true, in yeah. any shape or form. Um, but yeah, but sometimes you have to you have to educate you have to educate people. Uh, I do that at cons all the time when I have parents mm-hmm. come up to and who have real little kids, and I just say like, no, this is not appropriate for them. Yeah. I, I maybe. Exactly. 
they often make a mistake because they see a woman behind the table and they think, oh, it's family friendly. And I'm like, um, no, not so much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, but um, with the uh, with Kurt, going back to Curtis Hill, um, yes. kind of on the uh, anthropomorphic um, angle, um, it's it's really interesting kind of using that type of device, isn't it? Because it, it can afford you certain liberties within the story that you might not necessarily get away with so much kind of using humans. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's it's a good device to use. Yeah, it's a very good device. And, uh, you know, it it does have kind of a, I suspect there's kind of a Schindler's List thing going on. Right. That we we don't see in this first volume, but maybe may happen in the second volume. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I have this sneaking suspicion that there will be kind of a, a Schindler's List thing going on. <laughs> Bingo. There you go. Which is um, okay. To watch. Yeah, fine. exactly. Totally, totally. <laughs> Just have to w- watch this space. Um, totally. Uh, now, um, your penultimate uh, choice for comics for the pandemic uh, was Canto, the first volume. Yes. Yeah, that was, that's a really heartrending um, comic. And uh, uh, I heard they just got some sort of deal. I read it. Yeah, I think uh, a TV or they, they, there's some sort of deal that they got for this to, move into a different format, either animate, probably an animated format. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it being live action. That just wouldn't work very well. Um, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, it's um, Kanto is about a, a group of enslaved, cute little robots um, who supposedly don't have hearts. Uh, but one actually does, or rather he goes in search of the one he loves, her heart, so that she can be saved. Uh, the whole thing is clearly inspired by, uh, the Wizard of Oz. Right. Yeah. Um, the, it's, the art's terrific, um, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything bad you can say about Kanto. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, but it's, it's just, just it, it's, is it kind of, uh, what, what's kind of the focus of the premise? Um, oh, uh, they, uh, Kanto is like one of the, the only slave robots who mm-hmm. loves another robot. Uh, but when she's beaten by her captors so badly, they, they all run on this internal clock. And if your clock is damaged, you eventually die. So he sets out on a journey to uh, find the Shrouded Man, which I see as he's the Wizard of Oz, uh, mm. and return with her heart. He's, he's kind of like the Tin Man um, from Wizard of Oz. Uh, but obviously all doesn't go as planned for the journey. And uh, he has to deal with a, uh, a, an ugly truth. 
which is which is sad and poignant and all that other good stuff. Oh, that sounds really good. Cool. Um, and yeah, I know I like it when somebody kind of reimagines a a story, um, a classic story like Wizard of Oz, um, and kind of does a really good job of it because um, it can kind of give you further insights into into the original story as well even can't it yeah yeah and uh no i mean it's it's I mean, he even admits that it's inspired by you know the wonderful world of oz and um he talks about it uh within in the the extras in the book mm. uh, but he does give it twists and another layer yeah. uh yeah. which which makes it interesting so and and it makes it it makes it his it, it you know it makes it uniquely his. That's awesome. Um, cool. So um, your your last comic for the pandemic um, is, a, is a really interesting one um, that kind of when I googled it, um, it's kind of it's it's based on an actual um, historical term, and that's broken gargoyles. Oh, you're. You're one up on me, though. I didn't realize it was based on a historical term. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, yeah. Because like, just when I, I... I mean, explain the story first, then we can get into that, Madeline. <laughs> um, well, just full disclosure here. It's written by a friend of mine, Bob Sally, and uh, art is by the amazing Stan Yak. Uh, and it's uh, out, you know, publisher of Source Point Press, my own, my own publisher. So, yeah, got to give them like some rah-rahs here. Um, basically Bob, Bob does what he does best. Bob is really great of uh, telling the story of Motley Cruz. And he's, he's done this before. And, uh, in in some of his earlier comics, salvagers and, um, shelter division. Uh, but you know, he's really come, I think, into his own with, with broken gargoyles, which is a diesel punk comic set right after the first world war and the damage emotional and physical that has been done to, uh, the former soldiers. Mm-hmm. And when they return home, um, you know, for them, life is never the same. And, mm-hmm. You know, and they have they have to deal with uh, all all of these changes and try to stay functional. You know, you can you can see that these these men are you know dealing with not only the physical injuries, emotional PTSD, uh, and and picking up some other wayward wayward strays along the way on their journey. Um, but yeah, it's. The art is usual. I, I don't know if you've seen Stan Yak's art before. I ha- I hadn't. No, no. But looking at it now, it's it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty damn amazing. I'm yeah. really kind of psyched. Stan is putting together his own vampire anthology, and he had to put it off. I think last year, but there was a. Uh, uh, I was able to submit a story. I don't usually do horror. And he just wanted to do a straight horror, so I did one, and and fortunately my my story was accepted. So he's hoping to get that done by the by um, Halloween of this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited that one of my stories is going to be done by Stan Yak. <laughs> nice. 
and I get to be in that anthology. But yeah, yeah, he and he and Bob work really well together, hand in hand. And uh, um, yeah, for those of you who haven't seen it, you should definitely go go check it out because it, uh, you know, it's it is violent. Um, of course, yeah, yeah. But I it's expect anything less from. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, you can almost not that it's necessarily violent, but you can get it, get that it's going to be an adult story, kind of from the cover. Yes, certainly. Um, I think. I mean, it, do, it doesn't surprise me. And kind of going on what I said before about the fact that it's it's actually a historical term, broken gargoyles. So apparently, it's kind of you know soldiers from from the world wars that came back terribly disfigured, referred to themselves as broken gargoyles, um, which is terribly sad, really, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, it is. And, I uh, was yeah. not aware of that, but you know that just adds a whole other layer to yeah. the comic. And which doesn't surprise me that no. this is this is what what Bob would do. Um, no. He told me before he started this, he goes, "Yeah, I'm, you know." He asked me if I had any diesel punk references, and I sent him whatever I had at the time, and then he, you know, went on his merry way to develop, <laughs> you know, this, and obviously dug way deeper. But mm. yeah, I didn't realize that. But yeah, that makes it. Yeah, that definitely makes it even more that interesting. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check this one out because that, that's really intrigued me. Um, so, so thank, thanks for the recommendation, Madeline. That's You're great. Quite welcome. Um, and yeah, that, that brings us to the, to the end of your comics for the pandemic. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, you're quite welcome. And, uh, yeah, for, for the listeners one more time, um, where can they find you online? Uh, at bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Facebook, Boston Metaphysical Society Comic, uh, Twitter, uh, M. Holly Rosing, Instagram, MC Holly One. But even more important, uh, we'll be running a Kickstarter in April for our next sequel, uh, The Book of Demons. And of course, all the previous books will be available for you to pick up along. Oh, and you're going to love this. We, as you probably, Remember, we do a, a, a new pin for every Kickstarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the Plague Doctor this year. Nice. So it seemed it seemed appropriate. Uh, yeah. Alejandro Lee designed the pin, and yeah, it will be in several of the reward tiers uh, for people to check out. That is awesome. Um, so yeah, folks, those links are in the show notes. Go check out Madeline's um, Kickstarter, either through the, the link in the show notes or just search for Boston Metaphysical Society on uh, on Kickstarter there, and I'm sure it will come up. Um, well, Madeline, it's been, it's been another pleasure uh, speaking to you at length about comics, and uh, I just I truly hope that we both get to, to our respective cons and that you never know, one day perhaps our, our paths will actually cross at a con. Yeah, I hope so as well. And thank you so much for having me on the show again. It was uh, wonderful to talk since we don't get to do that much. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Social interaction. Yes. <laughs> Very safe that. social interaction. <laughs> Very safe. Yeah. Like that's some social distancing right there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, Madeline, thank you so much. Um, best thank of you. luck with your Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter. Absolutely. Thank you again. 
Thanks, Madeline. Take care. Thanks again to Madeline for being on Comics for the Pandemic. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Madeline's work or follow her on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.